It's BYU. It's Texas. The Cougars versus the Longhorns. Let's talk with a guy who knows Texas a lot better than I do. That's Jonathan Davis of Locked On Longhorns with myself, Jay Catch, on a crossover edition of the Locked On Cougars and the Locked On Longhorns podcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's another Locked On crossover between two Big 12 opponents, the Texas Longhorns and the BYU Cougars. Jonathan Davis from Locked On Longhorns, Jake Hatch from the Locked On Cougars representing BYU. And this is a matchup that's happened before, you know, a little bit of an older matchup, some interesting, uh, you know, results to those games. And hopefully this Saturday is no different. Texas coming in 6-1, and one, BYU coming in at 5-2. and two. Both teams coming off of a win, Texas beating U of H and BYU beating Texas Tech. Jake, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. it's been tough for the new Big 12 teams going against the old Big 12 teams, but, right. you know, BYU in their first year in the conference is doing really well, five and two, but in actual conference play, they've been a little shaky. So two and two, two and oh at home, oh and two on the road, right? Lost one, 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 lost one, one, one. No consistency thus far in conference play. And when you look at BYU on the road thus far in conference play, has not been great at all. In two games against Kansas and TCU, they've been outscored by 44 points on the road in conference play. So what has to change in Austin this weekend to pull off the upset? Uh, first thing for BYU is uh, they when they've been on the road, they got to take care of the football. That, that's kind of been their real MO to leading them to a five and two record so far is the fact that they, when they're at home, they've been very good, very clean with the football, but they forced a bunch of turnovers. They forced 16 on the season so far, which has really been the key to them getting to five and two to start the year. So uh, the number one thing for them going into Austin is take care of that football, gener- generate a few turnovers, give yourself some short fields, and you got to absolutely cash those in for touchdowns if you want to pull the upset. And I, and I want to ask you, how does a team like BYU go into a crazy environment? I know they haven't been as great as a football team, but that's still a crazy environment mm-hmm. uh, in Arkansas. How do you go into an environment like that and win, but then struggle against TCU and Kansas at home? What, 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 what's been the difference in conference play? It, it, it's kind of funny because, Jonathan, if you look at the history of BYU, the last time they played a top 10 opponent on the road was in 2018 when they went to then number six, Wisconsin. And BYU in that game actually came out with an upset that I thought was completely uh, unforeseen. They ended up winning that game 24 to 21. It was one of the big upsets of the 2018 football season. Uh, and the thing about it is BYU, when they went into Camp Randall there, which is a similar type environment to what DKR Memorial will be and what Arkansas was, they just played loose. They, they, they do the jump around between the third and fourth quarters there. And a lot of teams kind of get uptight and they're like, wow, what is going on here? But if you watch that tape back, BYU's players were jumping around with the fans on the side. They're having a great time. So it's been the big thing that Kalani Satake is emphasizes, hey, embrace the moment. These are opportunities for you guys as football players. You'll probably never get another chance to do it, especially in this case with Texas and BYU. Who knows when the next time the Longhorns and the BYU Cougars will play. So going into DKR Memorial, I can guarantee BYU's players are going to just kind of take in all the experience and embrace it all for all it is. Yeah, and hopefully we we get a good matchup on Saturday because of it. What would BYU fans want to know about the Longhorns or what are the pressing questions about Texas coming into this game on Saturday for the BYU side? 
Well, number one thing is obviously Quinn Ewers is expected to miss this game, a sprained his shoulder there against Houston. Now, uh, here's the thing. Are they are they going to play two quarterbacks in this game, Jonathan? What's the situation? Do you know? Yeah, so if we play two quarterbacks in this game, I'm assuming things went really well, right? And we probably covered the spread. I think this is Malik Murphy's show. Um, Arch Manning is the backup. He's there if anything were to happen. But obviously, you know, knock on wood, we don't want anything to happen to Malik Murphy. You know, he's been here almost as long as Quinn Ewers. He's been in the system uh, for two years now, and he's a very talented quarterback, four-star out of California. And, you know, we're hoping that he can come in and pick up where Quinn Ewers left off. You know, you're in a weird situation. I wouldn't say weird because you were kind of in it last year, but this is a top 10 team in the country, a team that very, you know, much still has big 12 championship aspirations. And at this point, if you went out, you would think that Texas would be one of the contenders for the college football playoff. Now, obviously you have to do it right. You have to go out there and win each week, but that's certainly still in the realm of possibility. So uh, Malik Murphy is going to be the guy this weekend. And I think, uh, you know, for him to be comfortable and for him to go out there and get a win in his first start, he has to go out there and play turnover free, right? Quinn Ewers has done a really good job of uh, limiting turnovers with only four so far this year. And, you know, Malik Murphy's going to be nervous in his first start. So protect the ball. You can't give BYU extra opportunities. I think Steve Sarkeesian, BYU alum, right? <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. Um, I think he needs to do everything in his power to make sure that Malik is comfortable in his first start. He has a rocket arm, but that doesn't mean test it every chance you get. Give him some layups, you know, some screens, some some passes within that five yard area um, and let your you know athletes get out in space. And I think the whole team really has to galvanize around Malik Murphy. He has that type of personality and that type of stature. He's somebody you want to go to war with. He's somebody that, you know, really can galvanize the team. But I think the running game is going to have to be better. Obviously, with the young quarterback in his first start, you want to lean on the running game. The wide receiver is going to have to be better. Offensive line is going to have to block better. Then, of course, the defense is going to have to take it on themselves to win this game. And if they do then I think Malik Murphy can put on a pretty good performance against BYU on Saturday. Now, one one related question to that is that BYU traditionally struggled when they've played against mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Malik, I, I saw that spring game when he launched that ball like 70-some-odd yards in the air. You mentioned a rocking arm. He's got one of the strongest arms in college football. There's no doubt about that. But mobility-wise, is, is he capable of being that true dual-threat quarterback? So I think that he's capable in a scenario where there's nothing open down the field of, oh, okay, you know, there's wide open grass in front of me. Let me pick up six, seven yards to keep the chains moving. But as far as somebody that you have to defend, play in and play out as being a mobile quarterback, that's certainly not Malik. He is a pocket quarterback with a rocket arm. And if he wins this game on Saturday, it's going to be because of his arm more so than his legs. He's definitely not a mobile quarterback. And I think all defenses in college football struggle with that extra superpower, right? But yeah, Malik is going to try to beat you with his arm. He is not mobile at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let me not say that because I don't want to. I don't want to sound like the brother's not athletic. You know what I'm saying? So he can yeah. definitely take off and run. But like I said, he's not looking to run at all. You know, if he has three, four carries in this game, it's solely to pick up a first down. He yeah. wants to beat you with his arm for sure. Well, okay. And so I, I, I I'm assuming you were going to ask this question. I'll just kind of answer it right off the top. It feels like this is going to be two battles of two quarterbacks who like to make plays from the pocket because Keaton Slovis, who's BYU starter, he's. He has his first three career rushing touchdowns this season, Jonathan, and it's kind of been like a revelation that he even, you know, runs the football in in, in yeah. some way. But he is very much uh, – so it feels like in many ways this is going to be a battle of two uh, quarterbacks who are, you know what, we're going to make plays from the pocket. So obviously those offensive lines on both sides are going to have to hold up and pass pro. Yeah, but with Jonathan Brooks being one of the best running backs in Power 5 thus far, I certainly think Texas has the advantage in, you know, allowing Malik Murphy to be more so a game manager, where I think Keaton Slovis will have to do a little bit more to actually win this game 
than Malik Murphy will. You talked about, you know, Keaton Slovis transfer quarterback, and he's well-traveled, you know, being at USC and then Pittsburgh and now BYU. Um, we really don't know what to expect from Malik Murphy. But through seven games of the Keaton Slovis experience at BYU, he's completing 57% of his passes, which is not ideal. So through a little bit more than the first half of the regular season, describe the passing game at BYU and the Keaton Slovis experience. Uh, up and down is probably the best description for it. There are times it's been absolutely electric. If you want to go back and watch, maybe at its absolute best, watch the game against Cincinnati. And I'm telling you, the second half, if you go to, if you wind through that game, the first 29 minutes of that football game, Cincinnati pretty much dominated every aspect of that game. But BYU got the ball back with about 44 seconds to go, if I recall correctly. And Keaton Slovis put together this lightning quick drive that took 32 seconds, drove 80 some odd yards, and scored a touchdown and like ignited BYU's offense. The rest of the game, that passing attack for BYU is absolutely electric. And uh, it showed kind of what, when he's on point, what this passing game can be. It was similar to what they did against Kansas, despite the loss out there in Lawrence. But then uh, if you want to see kind of the down part of it, watch the most recent game, uh, most recent two games, I guess I should say, against both TCU and then against Texas Tech. It, more erratic, uh, missed throws, uh, some drops from the wide receivers also that didn't help uh, Keaton's cause. But the, the bigger thing is, it's been up and down all season long, and the hope is after two relatively down performances against the Horned Frogs and against the Red Raiders last week, even though BYU got the win over Texas Tech, the hope is that that passing game is going to come alive because you mentioned that it feels like Keaton Slovis is going to have to make some plays to win this football game. I really think BYU's chances of winning and getting an upset really rely on his right arm. Yeah, you know, you, you talked about that. When you're going against a top 10 team, you know, in the country like this where, you know, there's a talent disparity. Let's just say, it. you know, Texas is one of the most talented teams in the yes. country. Typically, the quarterback has to be the equalizer. Do you think that Keaton Slovis, just really quickly before we get into our first break, is capable of having the game of his life on Saturday and leading BYU to a victory? I'm not asking you to pick the game right now, yeah. but can you see a scenario in which Keaton Slovis is one of the best players on the field on Saturday? Capable, yes, he absolutely is. He has shown that in multiple games this, this year that he can be the best player for BYU on the football field. And when you have the best, when you're the better best player on the football field as a quarterback, you typically are going to dominate that game. You're going to be the star. So yes, is he capable? Yes, but the last two performances have got to leave some uh, BYU fans, even Texas fans, if they've watched BYU, thinking, okay, can he really channel that? We'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about that BYU offense as a whole, which is ranking towards the bottom in the country currently. This Locked On crossover episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had, winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players. Pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And also now, Prize Pick offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code. Locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. This is going to be Malik Murphy's first start. So get on prize picks and see what that line is set at. You might be able to steal a little bit of money from Vegas. Maybe the line is real low. We haven't seen Malik Murphy play. We don't know what to expect. Could be under 200. Could be free money for my Longhorn fans. Check that out on prize picks. 
All right, Jake, we talked about Keaton Slovis and how the passing game at BYU thus far has left a little bit to be desired. Let's talk about the offense as a whole, right? And maybe they're missing somebody like Puka Nakua, who is killing it on my fantasy team right now. The BYU offense ranks 124th out of 133 teams currently coming into this game against Texas. Besides Keaton Slovis, who needs to break out on the offensive side of the ball for BYU to have a chance in this game? Uh, the running game, uh, simply put, they, they brought in a thousand yard rusher of the, during the transfer portal this year in the in the form of uh, Aiden Robbins. And he ran for a thousand yards a year ago at UNLV and BYU thought he was going to come in and uh, be the next star running back for them. They've put guys like Jamal Williams and Tyler Algier in the NFL in recent years and kind of looking for that next big running back. And Aiden Robbins came in and very much looked the part during spring ball and, and the like. But then as training camp progressed, they kind of got uh, quieter and quieter about his availability. Uh, Come to find out he's been dealing with a rib issue that he finally fully recovered from and in time to play against Texas Tech last week. But uh, in the second half of that game against Texas Tech, he really came alive. There was a third and 13 scenario where he took the ball and it wasn't necessarily blocked up great, but he's a 235-pound full-grown man and he just kind of broke through multiple tackles, gained 15 yards and gave BYU an absolutely critical first down to help them see out that victory. So they they hope that he is finally coming in uh, healthy and capable of contributing. And they have another young man by the name of LJ Martin as a four-star freshman running back from El Paso, Texas, that's come in and really kind of filled the void while Aiden Robbins was out. So the hope is that those two, combined with some improved offensive line play, can get BYU's offensive line rolling a little bit here and finally get them some attraction. We're not having to be so one-sided. A lot of their offense this year has been passing game oriented. They want to be more balanced. And the hope is that uh, maybe as soon as this week, they can find a better rushing attack because they had their best rushing performance of the season against Texas Tech a week ago. But all Cougar fans, including yours truly, uh, know that Texas is a whole nother defensive uh, level, it feels like, uh, versus what they faced against Tech. Yeah, and and you talked about that, you know, Texas defense. Uh, you know, Donovan Smith from U of H, who beat us last year at Texas Tech, certainly was able to make some plays. And then we know, you know, two weeks before that, I don't even want to mention it, but I guess I got to, you know, from the analyst side, uh, Dylan Gabriel had his Heisman moment, you know, scoring a touchdown with 71 seconds left on the clock. From the BYU perspective, are there any questions about this Texas defense or, um, you know, any particular units you're looking at that, you know, BYU may be looking to exploit? What, what opportunities do you see against this this Texas defense on Saturday? Or where do you think they may be vulnerable for this BYU offense? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So I watched both the Red River rivalry. I also watched the Houston game this past week, and it felt like the, the passing games for both uh, Oklahoma and Houston really came alive and gave Texas fits. And in particular with the Houston game, from my perspective, a lot of crossing routes, mesh concepts that Dana Holgerson runs that are uh, historically BYU has developed a lot of those through their history under Lavelle Edwards. It seemed like that got you uh, got the Longhorns all out, all disoriented on the back end. So is that in your mind, maybe the key way for BYU to attack this defense? Yeah, certainly. You know, I, I said that, um, you know, watching that you and I was at, you know, I was at the game because I live in Houston. So, you know, I was saying watching that U of H Texas game was like watching Colorado, Colorado State. Remember when Colorado State just kept hitting them across the just cro crossing routes over and over? You're like, why would they stop that? And the next thing you know, I'm talking about my defensive coordinator the same way. Um, you know, I think certainly. Uh, the injury to Ryan Watts at corner, um, the transfer from Ohio State, who had a big year last year. I think that's been a big loss for us in, in the corner room. And I think the last two weeks, both, you know, Dana Horgerson and Jeff Levy from Oklahoma have really done a good job of putting our safeties in conflict. Right. I think against Oklahoma, they did a really good job of uh, putting our linebackers and safeties in conflict. Right. Are you covering? Are, are you running? 
you know, mm-hmm. with your, your route concepts. What are I, what are we doing? <laughs> right. And a lot of times the safeties and the linebackers look lost against Oklahoma. And then against Houston, they did a really good job of putting our safeties in man coverage, right? And just running those crossing routes against our safeties and having safeties covered players who are more athletic than you, right? And <laughs> wide receivers and tight ends. And they continue to do that and almost led them to tie in the game with less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I would definitely say that, you know, Keaton Slovis has not, you know, been great up until this point. But, you know, if the offense of the BYU Cougars can certainly, uh, you know, get our linebackers in our safeties in space covering one-on-one, I think that could be the key to, you know, putting up some points on this Texas defense. And I think also when you look at it, this is a team that now for two years in a row, as far as our defense and our defensive line has been really good at getting pressure. But what I said is quarterbacks can evade pressure, right? Quarterbacks can throw under pressure. This Mm -hmm. team needs to be better at getting players on the ground, right? And they only have 17 sacks in seven games. So if Keaton Slovis can operate under pressure and they don't do a good job of actually getting him on the ground, then I think that's an opportunity that the BYU passing game will have against our back end, right? If you can't get constant pressure and actually put him on the ground, if you're just around him and he can still make plays, then there will be some opportunities on the back end for this BYU offense. Now, I've got a question. This just kind of is a historical thing. Most Cougar fans and obviously Longhorn fans remember Taysom Hill in the 2013 and 2014 games, uh, both in Provo and in Austin when he ran roughshod over uh, the, the, the Longhorns. Uh, here's the thing. Does, 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 the, does the memory of Taysom Hill still live on for Texas Longhorn fans all these years later? Yeah, there's definitely some mystique there. You know, it's weird, right? Because like you said, we haven't played, you know, BYU in so long. Don't know when we'll play them again. It's not like a historic rivalry or anything. Like like when you look at U of H last week, like that hasn't been relevant for a long time. But in the 90s, it was like, okay, U of H in Texas was a big thing. And that yeah. never really was the case outside of, like you said, those two mystique, mysterious matchups with Taysom Hill. And I think there's a lot of people that feel like this weekend – that, you know, those games were just a little bit weird and something weird can happen, right? And, of course, you know, that Joe, I mean, that that, that Juju kind of came to life when now you come into this game without your starting quarterback and a yeah. bunch of injuries the week before, before BYU comes to uh, Austin. There was a lot of people before the season that were picking that as like a weird game that Texas might slip up and lose, right? If there was the one game where, you know, Texas came out and looked flat and played down to their competition, it could be BYU. And it's obviously is a team that we have a lot of respect for. So um, I think there's a little bit of nervousness, right? There's definitely some anxiety in the, in the stomachs of uh, Texas fans because, like I said, those BYU games were weird, right? BYU was certainly a respectable program and a team that I don't think too many people would be shocked, you know, if they won on Saturday. And now you have to, you know, face this team without the captain of the ship with Malik Murphy making his first start. So I definitely think Texas fans are, are ready for this game and, they certainly think anything can happen, regardless of what Vegas thinks the point spread should be. <laughs> right? So um, this certainly could be an interesting game. I want to go back to the running game before we get yeah. into our second break, because you talked about, um, you know, LJ Martin being from El Paso, Texas, and he's been the leading rusher for this team um, thus far this year. We've seen against the University of Texas, especially with players from Texas, mm-hmm. they like to have their big moment in this game. So what do you expect? from lj martin this saturday against texas playing against the flagship you know university in the state where he's from do you think we see 110 percent from him do you think he can have that type of performance where it's like after the game we're like who was lj martin and why did he just do that against that texas defense 
I, I think he would like to. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. They also have Dion uh, Smith, who's another backup running back kid, actually from Houston, Texas, a transfer from Colorado. That's going to be the number three back for BYU, kind of the change of pace guy. They also have a guy like Keanu Hill, who's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There are a number of Texans on this roster for BYU on offense in particular that, yeah, they're going against a, a program that they grew up idolizing in many respects. And I don't necessarily mean that they were fans, but – when you when you grow up in Texas, the Longhorns are it. Like that, 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 there's no doubt about that. So yeah, it would not surprise me to see a guy like L.J. Martin come out and say, you know what, this is my one and only chance really to go out and stick it to a program that at minimum they they watched and maybe rooted for. I don't know necessarily know what his rooting interests were growing up, but when you're from the state of Texas, there's really two teams: it's the Longhorns and it's the Aggies. It really feels like it's one of those two. And uh, I'm expecting L.J. Uh, Keanu, who's a wide receiver, I'm sure if he's capable of playing. He didn't play last week against Texas Tech. We'll see how he is this week. But those guys, absolutely. When you go down there to Austin, play there at Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium, it, it, it means something more to those young men. So, yeah, it would not surprise me to see LJ try and have one of those moments down there in Austin. And hopefully this Texas defense can ruin his homecoming, right? <laughs> A quick word from our – go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, that, that's exactly what, that's what Texas is going to be thinking. But I, I can guarantee every kid that's from Texas who's got a connection from this roster for BYU to the Lone Star State, they're, they're ready for this one. Yeah, as they should be, absolutely. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we get into the last part of the segment and the million-dollar question, who wins and who covers on Saturday? This Locked On crossover is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the National Football League. And also want to say we now have our World Series matchup set, the Arizona Diamondbacks versus the, the Texas Rangers. So head over to FanDuel right now and put some money on the Texas Rangers to win their first ever World Series championship. Jake, I want to ask you because I know you're a Mariners fan. You are a AL West foe, right? I did my research, right? As any good podcast host would. How does it feel? And I want to say thank you to you all because we can't win at home. So you all snatching... You all beating us so we could lose the division actually worked out for us because we won the pennant in game seven in Houston. Uh How does it feel as a Mariners fan that you all were the closest contender to the Astros and the Rangers just came out of nowhere and jumped over the Mariners and now look like the biggest threat to the Astros or the best team in the AOS because we are in the World Series? Yeah, well, and that's the thing about it is th- th- there, there's there's some consternation there, obviously, because uh, Seattle's kind of gone through this methodical rebuild and obviously trying to get things the ship righted and that type of stuff. And they've had a they've had a pretty good uh, ride. And the, the only concern I have for the Mariners is why did you only turn it on in the month of August? That that's when they really kind of made their push towards it because they had scuffled along all season long. And in the month of August, they just became like this unbeatable uh, team. And that's the thing I, that I wonder about: why couldn't you turn it on sooner? And uh, to and by the way. The one thing I, the only baseball game MLB game I went to this year actually was the Texas Rangers. I, I was at a Big Twelve media day. I stayed for an extra day, and I went over to Globe Life Field. What a phenomenal venue! Let me be very clear about that. Fun to have that. I've actually got a bunch of Rangers gear. I was actually wearing it yesterday around Salt Lake City okay. just to have some fun uh, at, at Houston Astros fans' expenses. And that, that's the thing about it is 
yeah, it, it, the Mariners, it, it's, it's unfortunate to see another AL West rival maybe leapfrog past them. But the hope is that the Mariners, the Astros, and the Rangers, that that trio, they will continue to kind of make each other better. And, and maybe the AL West can hold a stranglehold on the American League side of things for the foreseeable future. Because the AL East likes to think they're the big bad uh, division of AL, uh, AL baseball. But here's the thing. The, the, those three teams out here in the West – they got, they've got some firepower as well. So we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see how it all goes, but I'll just say this. I cannot stand the Houston Astros. I am so happy that the Rangers are in the world series. Yes, sir. And when you look at the, uh, you know, the, uh, oh my gosh, the Mariners, you got Julio Rodriguez, a lot of young pitching talent. Uh, the Astros got Jordan who looks like he's 35, but he's 26 and the Rangers got Corey Seager and, and, you know, Evan Carter. So, those, those teams should be good for a long time. All right. I know they'll get mad at me in the comments. We've talked about baseball a little bit too long. I'm going to get back to the football topic. And, you know, we talked about how this is a weird game with some weird mystique to it. There's some personal storylines in this game as well. Steve Sarkeesian, head coach at the University of Texas, is a, an alum of BYU, right? Played football, played quarterback at BYU. And Texas fans will love this. Had a phenomenal 400-plus yard performance against the Texas A&M Aggies, so he was meant to be <laughs> the Texas football coach, right? Yeah, and see, and one of the one of the more vivid memories of my growing up years going to BYU games. Having grown up, I, I grew up a stone's throw away from Lavelle Edwards Stadium, which is BYU's home venue. Is that that 1996 game against the Texas A&M Aggies? Uh, they came in. It was the it was the kick college football kickoff classic. It was an absolutely sweltering day here in Utah, uh, late August, and my grandpa and I went and sat in the stands, and I watched. Steve Sarkeesian, who was a first year, I should say second year starting for BYU, he was a senior that year, and he just absolutely cooks the Aggies. It was awesome. That when, if you remember that name for Texas A&M, was their star linebacker, and they made him look silly out there. They made just all of Texas A&M look silly. It was a crazy game, came back and forth with these two offenses, but it kicked off one of the best, maybe outside of the national championship season for BYU, the 96 season that Steve Sarkeesian was the starting quarterback for. BYU went uh, went 14-1, and played in the only New Year's Day bowl game they've played in their football history in the Cotton Bowl Classic, beat Kansas State in that game. That that season and Sark obviously doing what he did in a BYU uniform. That dude is just he's a downright legend here in Provo. So Cougar fans are very excited to see him doing great things at Texas. But uh, I think they would like to get an upset over their their old QB. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, so that was going to be my question. So there is definitely uh, some some extra incentive on the BYU side to beat Steve Sarkeesian, even though he's a legend there in Provo. And that thing about it is Kalani Satake and Steve Sarkeesian, BYU's head coach, they were they were teammates under Lavelle Edwards at BYU. So they, they oh, have a okay. personal relationship. They, uh, Kalani talked about it this week during media availability, saying that he and Sark have kept in contact for all these years. Aaron Roderick also, who was on that 1996 squad as well, who's BYU's offensive coordinator, says that he keeps in contact with Sark. So there are some really, really tight connections between these two universities because they played for the same football program. And yeah, the, the, those... Those ties are going to add some juice to this matchup because Sark's going up against his alma mater. BYU wants to spring a big upset over a top 10 ranked team. And uh, it's it's former teammates. Uh, Kalani was a fullback while Sark was a quarterback. So they want nothing more than to get, get one over on each other. I guarantee it. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, Sark brings some extra juice to this matchup because of this. Now, you know, the moment we've all been waiting for. Uh, the million-dollar question, Texas is now favored by 17.5 points. I believe it opened at over 20, but then obviously the Quinn Ewers news probably mm -hmm. brought it down to 17.5 with Malik Murphy starting. I'm going to ask you who wins and who covers Texas minus 17.5 against BYU. 
Okay, I, so I, I think Texas wins. I do think they win it fairly comfortably. I think it, but I do think that BYU can cover that 17 and a half. I, I think that number is just a tad bit too high, considering I know that Malik Murphy is an elite talent. I get that, but this is his first career start. You don't necessarily know when the quote unquote lights will be on. I know it's a day game down there in Austin, but when the lights quote unquote come on, how is he going to respond in a game scenario? So, I believe Texas wins this football game, but I do think BYU covers that 17 and a half point spread. Now it may move a little bit more as the game gets a little bit closer, but we'll see how that all shakes out. But I, I could see a scenario where it's like a Texas 31, BYU 20, something, something, something like 17, something like that, where it's like a 14 point uh, margin of victory for the Longhorns. I just feel like BYU's, uh, they're they're still trying to build this roster up to be a true Big 12 caliber roster. It's probably a couple years away to tr to truly be that, but they've got some pieces, and they're going to go in there and try and do what they do. And if they get some turnovers, who knows what happens? But I do think that Texas uh, gets the W. But I think BYU covers. Yeah. So let me preface this by saying I'm now 0 and 5 on these picks this year. Okay. I stayed away from Rice and Wyoming. Right. Uh -huh. I said Bama would beat Texas. I was wrong there. I said Baylor and Kansas would both cover against Texas. I was wrong there. Okay. I said Texas would beat Oklahoma and cover. I was wrong. And then I said Texas would cover against U of H. I was wrong. Right. So I okay. preface this by saying I'm 0 and 5 on these picks. Hopefully I don't go to 0 and 6. Sure. I think Texas wins. I think BYU covers. Like you said, Malik Murphy, um, first start. You know, I would not be surprised if he. Uh, has a turnover in this game or, you know, has a couple drives where, you know, maybe he takes a sack or, you know, misses a throw and, you know, Texas isn't as explosive, you know, on offense as they're used to being. And, you know, it's just something about BYU. I think they're, they're, they're able to score a few touchdowns and uh, make this game interesting. I'll lie U of H last week. So I think Texas wins. I think uh, BYU covers, like you said, 18 points is a lot for a quarterback in his first start. Uh, you know, I think Texas moves to uh, seven and one. They're in that surviving advance period where they're just trying to get to the Big 12 championship yep. game where anything can happen and hopefully get to the college football playoff. And I think the inconsistency in Big 12 play continues for the BYU Cougars and they move to 0 and three on the road in conference play. Jake, I appreciate you coming on the crossover, uh, giving the Longhorn fans everything they need to know uh, about BYU and the Seattle Mariners. And, you know, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk to the BYU fans about the Longhorns this Saturday ahead of this matchup. Hope everybody can stay safe and healthy. Let the Longhorn fans know where they can get more of your coverage because you definitely dropped some gems on this episode. Yeah, uh, BYU coverage, obviously, Locked On Cougars. Get it on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. You want to follow the show on social media, it's available on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search out Locked On Cougars. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you already can see my, my Twitter handle, at Jacob C. Hatch. Uh, weigh in. I kind of weigh in with all thoughts on all sports, NBA, NFL, MLBs, college football. I love it all, but uh, lots of fun, and obviously looking forward to this matchup this week. Yeah, and for Jonathan Davis, you can catch me on Twitter at Johnzo Ball, like Lonzo Ball. The NBA season just started uh, on Tuesday. You know, prayer for my brother Lonzo. Hopefully, we can see him in 2024. Locked on Horns on Twitter, um, and then Locked on Longhorns wherever you get your podcasts. Jonathan Davis from Locked on Longhorns. Jake Hatch from Locked on Cougars signing out ahead of an interesting Big 12 matchup on Saturday.